Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome, everybody, to another issue podcast. Um, now, this is a commentary on the October 2017 issue. Um, hopefully, you've listened to a few of these podcasts um, by now. The aim of the game is, um, if you haven't bought this issue, is to stop listening to this podcast and go out to your uh, news agent or supermarket and buy the issue. Because what we're going to do is we're going to try and guide you through the October issue, give you uh, some behind the scenes um, revelations, maybe, um, and basically talk you through it. Kind of a DVD commentary, if you, if you know what we mean. Um, so, now this is an important issue for us. Um, on the cover, you'll see issue 1106. Now, it's the first time we've put this on the cover, um, and there's a very good reason for that, because this is a uh, refreshed issue. It's a redesigned issue, has some new features, um, has more pages, has some new regulars, um, new writers. Um, it's, I would say it's a, an evolution. Um, I'm looking at the gang around me. We've got Damon Cogman, who's our art editor. Hello. We have Lyndon McNeil, who's our photographer. Hi there. Simon Aaron, features editor. Good afternoon. And Joe Dunn, deputy editor. Hello. And I'll introduce myself. I'm Nick Trott, the editor of Motorsport. So, I'm looking at the team now. Um, I kind of think it's an evolution, but these guys have been here much longer than, than I have. So, they may see it as a... Um, uh, they may see it in another way. What, what do you think, guys? Does it feel like an evolution, or does it feel like we've taken a bold step? Um, Damon? It's, uh, it's, it's always going to be a, uh, a different perspective from different people. Some people that have been around far longer than, than we have have been buying this magazine for many, 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 many years. Um, and thank you to all of you. But um, some of them are going to feel as though it's a, is a, is a sharp uh, left turn. Others are going to feel like it's a, a sort of a easy left, I think. So I think it's not necessarily a huge shift i think it's updated it's uh, it's got some new fonts it's got some new looks uh, it's got some new content but it's still at the heart of it it's still motorsport it's still everything that we love about motorsport in there i agree with um, much of what my esteemed colleague mr cogman just said the core of the magazine is essentially unchanged it's the same range of features covering contemporary formula one historic topics the authoritative columns which have become our trademark um it looks a little bit different. I know that some people, I know for a fact that some people aren't so keen on the new look, but the vast majority of the responses I've heard have been very, very positive, which is encouraging. Personally, um, I've been reading this since the 1970s, and I worked for it in the early 90s and returned here a few years ago. It's been through all sorts of different phases, and you often hear people say, oh, it was way, back, you know, way better in the old days, and so on and so forth. But if you actually look at an issue from the 1960s or the 1970s when the, there were very few photographs, um, the type, the features sometimes got to page 843 and then continued in a smaller type size on page 723. You know, I, I think it's a much, much more polished product. I know I would say that. But I think it is a much more polished product now than it was then. And it's been a more polished product for many years. But, um, yeah, I think evolution is the word. It is strikingly different in appearance in parts. But if you take it for what it is, a magazine, and read it, it's the same thing. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, I think it's. Um, uh, I think the word you used was refresh, and I think that's that's absolutely right. It, it's it looks and feels a lot fresher, uh, and that could be because obviously we've we've been working on it for uh, for years. But I like I like the new look of it myself, um, and I think that um, I think that one of the key changes for me, which I think works really well, is 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 the, the running order and the fact that readers are sort of welcomed into the magazine uh, at a slightly different pace, and uh, and the, the, then continue to, to to read through the, the features. And then, uh, and then into the uh, back section, which I think we'll we'll talk about a bit later. Um, but generally, I think it uh, I, th I think it looks a lot fresher, uh, a lot more modern, uh, and uh, and it's, it's been a real hopefully a, a pleasure to read. Excellent. That's going to be a good appraisal, Joe. You know, ne next time round. Um, I mean, we are. Yeah, Joe. Joe's Joe's right. It, 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 
it's the, the refresh is was very much in in, in the word refresh very much in, in our minds as, as we went through this process um please get in, in touch um editorial at motorsportmagazine.com um just just let us know you know we're, we're happy we've we've received a number of comments so far and, and simon's right the majority have been very favorable um we want to hear we want to hear the good and the bad you know we, we feel like it does feel a personal relationship with with the reader and we'd, we'd like to know what what you think so um so get in touch um for those that haven't uh, got the issue in front of them i'll give you a quick overview of of what we've done um so as, as joe mentioned we've we've changed the the flat planning and the order of the issue a little bit so that um hopefully it's got a, a, a more relevant pace um some of the advertising that you see um and the classifiers that you see at the back of the magazine has got a new editorial that's uh, very much related to that environment. Um, we've added a, another section at the back, and we'll go and talk about this a little bit later on, uh, called Garagista, which is kind of the realities of running racing cars um, by the people who own them. Um, the key, and I really, I really want to make this point, is we, we've tried very hard not to um, thin out the magazine. Motorsport is known for its depth it's known for its authority um and we still have and we will have eight to nine features in every issue and there'll be weighty stories and um damon and i um you know had many um late nights trying to work out how we're going to maintain the same level of depth and words without them falling off the page and being cut and and i, I kept saying to damon no no, no we're not going to lose that we're going to keep, <laughs> keep that so so we haven't sacrificed anything all of the columnists are now together have got the same number of words um the, the, most of it is is still there and we've added these two key new sections at the back but I suppose economy and efficiency is something we looked at, wasn't it, Damon, in terms of the, the, the layout and the design? Yeah, there was um, a lot of tricks of the trade in, in, uh, used to make sure that all of the words that were there before are all still there. So the word counts are uh, the same, and, and in some uh, some ways they've actually gone up in some, some of the areas. Um, we've shifted fonts uh, to make them a little bit more open, um, to make them a little bit more legible. Uh, we've uh, sort of reduced the size of the columns to, to allow uh, bigger type area. So we've done lots of little uh, behind the scenes stuff that you won't notice, uh, hopefully. Uh, the, the, and to a lot of people that have mentioned about type sizes, and I know this is a, a hot potato, but actually the type size is actually bigger now, uh, surprisingly. This uh, is the main body copy. This yes, is the, the, yes. the main feature, all, all the yes. regular body copies. Is yeah. actually all bigger, yes. Um, surprise, surprise. So we've, uh, we've, we, we listened and we made it bigger. So it's not smaller, definitely not smaller. We definitely made it bigger <laughs> so what we're gonna this is a slightly awkward email isn't it that we're gonna have to yes we've had a few we have actually had a few haven't we you know I, I doesn't a few people have said i think you've made it smaller yeah so um it, whenever you change something it is uh the instant the instant thing is it's changed and i don't like it it was as human beings and as uh, we, we we do kind of shift to that but the the reality is the the type size and the type shape um which is actually the much more important thing because you can actually have a very large type but if it's a very compressed type then it then it becomes uh sort of trickier to read so this is actually a very open and very round um font that allows us to kind of uh sort of make it make it make it a little bit more legible make it make it easier to read which is kind of what 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 it's all about really yeah i think yeah it's funny it's we went around the houses didn't yeah. we, on, on, on fonts on you yes. know, trying to pick the right ones and working on various sizes but um and also you look at the relationship don't you between between fonts and the, and the serif yeah. and the sans serif and the block types and yeah how many versions you've got in a oh, font days, yeah. you know and it's, <laughs> but it, it was actually it wasn't enjoyable i yeah. well i personally i enjoyed it i don't even you might yeah. think like, you never <laughs> want to do this ever again but well uh, the, the the joys the joys of font selection are are the building blocks to any magazine it gives it its personality it gives it the um its feel its look so it's while can can be a little bit nerdy it is phenomenally important it is the, is the kind of the the kind of the the calling card of the magazine and um over the years uh the font choices in motorsport um haven't always been for those reasons they've been to get as much copy on the page as possible in the, in the past which we all we are still aware of but the like i say the personality of the font makes sure that you are engaged and you can be uh uh, sort of you can read it with with pleasure as opposed to sort of squinting <laughs> good stuff okay right well let's let's um 
Well, actually, I was going to say let's dive in, but no, let's tackle the cover. Um, because there's, there's nothing more precious, is there, really, than the cover, the green. Um, oh, I'm too close to it. I, I can't. I've got cover. Joe, I'm just going to hand the mic to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we, we start off and, and by saying, that, I mean, the key thing I think most people will notice uh, about the cover when they look at it is that the uh, motorsport masthead, uh, the word motorsport, is uh, a lot smaller uh, than it was before. Uh, we've also uh, got our, uh, the date that we were established up there, established 1924, and um, uh, and the kicker, the original uh, motor racing magazine, which uh, um, uh, works really well in that in that top bit. But I think the key thing is going to be the size. So maybe Damon could talk about and, and, and indeed Nick. Um, well, because I, I mean, <laughs> just, just, just just to give some background, listeners listeners may not know that Nick and Damon uh, came up with this redesign by locking themselves away uh, in a uh, a warehouse somewhere <laughs> up in Cambridgeshire, I think, re- re- uh, a remote bunker from <laughs> where they were. Uh, insulated from the rest of the office and they would sit there most Fridays together and uh, and come up with uh, and presumably discard lots of plans and ideas and, and it took a long time for them to come up with, with what they've come up with here um, so they are obviously the best uh, qualified people to talk about it but Damon uh, <laughs> talk about the, maybe the, yeah. the size of the motorsport because I know the, the, the actual masthead is obviously one of the key things yeah the, I mean we were conscious of uh, we went through many iterations of, uh, of, the, of the cover and, or, and indeed the logo um, we went we went down some fairly revolutionary paths and some fairly fairly terrifying paths, but uh, no red, no red. Definitely, there was never a red anywhere near any of this. Um, and uh, ultimately, we came back around to the to the green masthead being um, again the heartbeat of what we what we have here. Um, the green itself is actually the same size, if not a little bit deeper than it used to be as well. So the actual green area is is a, is a fraction deeper. There's more green. There is more green. You are getting more green for your Ford 99. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a little bit at the Top bottom as well. <laughs> there's a there's there's more more green than it's ever been in the past. Um, yeah. So we we with that in mind, we actually reduced the size of the size of the logo to actually uh, and rather curiously to actually make it more striking. Um, for those of you who've got more than more than one one edition sort of sitting on your coffee table or your shelf um, if you put them next to each other you'll notice that the the older uh, logo while being sort of substantially larger is actually um, lost within the green uh, block because what you're doing is you're competing everything is competing with each other and by reducing the size of the logo within that green it just allows it to breathe a little bit more allows it to sort of be a, just a little bit more legible just a little bit more friendly and a little bit more um, distinctive I feel yeah and and we, we looked at the sort of the depth of a cover all, all magazine covers have got a kind of a 3d effect haven't they you, you know you, you look at a cover and they're kind of layered and and with the really large motorsport um, logo it was very hard for the subject matter the key image to actually leap out of the page wasn't it Dan? yeah, you know, we, yeah. Kept, we kept looking at this thinking well actually the, the priority is kind of a little bit skewed we, we're selling yes we're selling the brand but we're selling that subject matter this month and yet that that's tucked behind almost the yeah um, you, the the logo yeah you, you the, with the way that the logo is now in sort of a little bit smaller it stops competing with the fact that you've got this lovely beautiful orange McLaren in front of you as well so you so your eye goes to that your eye isn't kind of bouncing around between logo between large type between sort of orange cars what it's doing is it's got a hierarchy now so you see the art you see the orange you see the car you see being Bruce McLaren you see the logo you see them as separate entities and it just allows you to your eyes to sort of uh, basically to work it all out um, in a much more organized manner you mentioned the logo. Um, can I ask I mean, how uh, aware of you, uh, how aware of the history of the motorsport logo were you when you came to redesign this? <laughs> um, obviously, it's one of the most famous in in publishing, um, yeah. certainly in motor racing publishing. Um, how much could you mess around with it? How much did you want to mess around with it? And where did you draw the line? There was um, <laughs> there was a, there was a lot of creativity to try and change it, but actually, what we found was um, motorsport has a, uh, a character and a distinction all of its own that has that is nothing like nothing else on the newsstands, and to to do we'll do away with any of that would be madness. So we we are hugely lucky uh, that we have this hundred hundred odd years of uh, history to kind of fall back on. Um, 
but equally, it still it still is a tricky thing to de to deal with when you have a big green block at the top. So creatively, it was, it is a tricky thing. Yeah, I mean, we 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 ring fenced it pretty early. We had a look, you know, and we thought, you know, we, in the very early days, we you know, we thought, well, what if it was justified to the left? What if it was, God, even what if it was vertical? What, you know, you have to go through all these sort of processes. What if we we we've got the lovely M um, logo that that Damon designed that um, that's used elsewhere in the magazine and is used on the on the digital channels as well. Um, we looked at that. You know, there, there was a number of things, but ultimately, it's a fantastic logo it works really well um the where i suppose people listening to this will probably be the only people outside of the building who i'll say this we did actually look at moving away from the green in its current we did um, yeah. format you know we looked at repositioning some of the green we looked at a much brighter and whiter cover you know we 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 really pushed it because sometimes you have to don't you I, I like to think the um the Gilles Villeneuve approach um <laughs> you know you've got to exceed the limits haven't you yeah. really to yeah to find them and we, we, we did we, find we, ourselves we, spinning off a few times obviously yeah we dragged ourselves back to the pits <laughs> didn't we on three wheels on a couple yeah. of occasions so um but there was, a, there, in terms of, yeah, the history, the other things like the key lines left and right, you know, we, we, they were very much a nod to um, the very unique motorsport covers of yeah, God the, knows how many years. The there was 50, the, well, it was into the 60s, yeah. Into the, the 60s, where, where it had, yeah. Um, had the, the white sort of vertical lines down the side. Yeah. For, all of, for all of you people with uh, lots of uh, back, back issues, you'll know what we're talking about here. But Yeah, so the key lines, and we, and we thought, well, actually, they can serve a purpose, these key lines. We can actually use them to enhance this 3D effect. So you'll see that they're um, kind of asymmetrical. You know, the ones on the right tucked below the, the wing at the front, one, one on the left at the top, you know, is, is much higher. And hopefully that, again... There's a visual, there's a trick of the eye. It pulls the car out a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so we really, yeah, we 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 wanted to be faithful to um, motorsports design values because they they're very high. You know, Damon and, and the yeah. team have done a great job over the last you know 15 years or so. Um, but we wanted to take things forward, and hence that's why we got the fluoro color on there. This the slightly modernised, blockier font. Um, there's a few things that you know. There's some things that I th you know we had a conversation this morning, didn't we? There's some things that we're not sure about. Yeah, you know, yeah. There's, there's so it'll, it'll evolve again. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully um, not too much, but it will, it will. It will certainly keep getting better and better, definitely. Yeah, I think have we hit the midway point in this podcast already? We're getting nodded. All right, okay. Well, okay, well, we'll, we, um, we'll, we'll carry on. Lyndon didn't even get to talk about how how we did yeah, well, the <laughs> how we did that shot. Should we, we um, go on, Lyndon? Have your moment. Go on, tell us. Tell do we give away our secrets? Yeah, tell the tell truth. Tell them everything we did. Tell the truth. Basically, we were, well, we were we had a day at Donington where uh, obviously Dickie was able to drive the McLaren and um, he wasn't driving it <laughs> at that point. Who is the handsome fellow there? I, I do the, believe uh, it's our editor, Nick. Yes. Um, <laughs> the Stig. The Stig Dickie. Um, yeah, so no, I was stood up a ladder and, and four young gents were pushing the McLaren as fast as they could to make it look like it was... Yep handling it at speed so yeah, yeah but we we had many we well we had three or four different ideas on how to do the cover and sitting in our in our field in cambridge and uh planning how it worked and and it, we were going for rear shots head-on shots and it, it just seemed to work with the big side on telling us that it's bruce's car yeah i think that was important wasn't it uh, hopefully simon you feel the same that the seeing you know Bruce's signature and the, the the old McLaren cars logo. It's wonderfully evocative, isn't it? That, that Absolutely. I mean, I I don't really think you can go wrong uh, ever with an orange McLaren on the cover. But the, the fact that this particular M6A was the one that Bruce raced and was slightly shorter than the others because because it was Bruce sized, and that just adds a little. It just personalises it, and I think it's uh, yeah, a lovely lovely car, and orange and green. I think always are quite complimentary anyway on a on a on a magazine cover. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'll, I'll leave you. I leave the list listeners to have a have a good look at the story. But the uh, Dickies, where, where he talks about why this is Bruce's car and how the owner found out that it was Bruce's car. It's just that lovely stuff that you, we we didn't know this as we embarked on the story. We thought the car was significant enough before we found out some of these little tidbits of information. But I, I, I think you'll love the piece. It's very weighty. And um, Doug and I have done a, done a wonderful uh, recollection. Um, very personal, actually, because Doug knew Bruce. 
Um, and that, if that doesn't bring a lump to your throat reading that story, I'm not, I'm not sure what will. So um, enjoy it. Um, Bruce would have been 80, I believe, this this month. His um, his 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 birthday, I think, was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're looking at we're looking at Jack, who knows these things. He's connected to the internet right now. Um, but McLaren had a little celebration, didn't they themselves at Spa, um, where and Fernando's overalls, I believe, were were the, were the true papaya orange yeah. <laughs> colour. So yeah, that's not, the, not the slightly. Uh, yeah. And I'll be honest, we didn't tie this 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 issue with an anniversary. We, the cover was a cover because it's a good story. So, um, and it is an exclusive. No, no other journalist has driven this car, um, and oh, it, it, it frightens me to think how much it's it's worth. And but the owner was happy for motorsport to drive it. And, and Dicky, you'll see a video soon um, of, of Dicky driving the car, and he really drove it. So um, keep an eye out on our, on our YouTube channel um, and also on motorsportmagazine.com. And um, in the next month or so, um, you'll be able to see a wonderful video of this car, absolutely flat chat, butterfly valves flapping around and everything. It's just, just a glorious thing. So um, I also must plug um, Barnes & Noble as well. So um, on Barnes & Noble's uh, Facebook page, you'll be able to see a short video that we've cut together, um, which shows you a little bit more about what we're doing with the refresh um, some of the content that we're doing a few hints on some of the content and subjects that um, that we've already shot that you'll be seeing in some some issues going forward so um, to all of our American listeners and readers have a look at the Barnes and Noble Facebook page and try and find and uh, search out our, our video on there so um, right okay uh, moving on guys uh, where, where should we go to where should we go to next somebody give us a Simon's grab the mic uh, well, I suggest we st- you, you can keep hold of the mic as well, Trot. Um, I suggest we start at the back, um, in, the oh, of, in, back the front. Of, in the matter of Japanese magazines. Um, <laughs> the, uh, some of the news sections at the back were presented to the rest of us as sort of a, a fait accompli. And I think it's really nice to break up the advertising that's traditionally been a solid block with some sol- very strong editorial content. And I'd just, I'd just like to ask you, what, what was the kind of the genesis of that idea what um yeah where where where, where did that where did that spring from i think it it was kind of twofold really I, i'd had um i'd spent a long time looking at at the, the this universe the universe of of motor racing and a long time looking at what transactions are tethered to um the industry what people you know people what do they do what do they buy and sell what are they interested in um and the advertising in the back of the magazine reflected this kind of uh, energy um, in dealing and trading and buying and driving and selling and everything else um, more than the editorial did. You know, we, we just didn't have the editorial there. And I thought, well, actually, there's clearly an interest from the commercial audience there for um, for this. So let's let's see what we can do on the editorial side. Um, when I started to look into it. Um, and Damon and I looked at it quite closely as well and we we started to poke through the the adverts and we started to see some really interesting cars for sale we started to see some really interesting characters emerge Um, we thought well there's there's probably a section here that will help us break up the back of the magazine and also just reflect the activity that's happening anyway Um, that's kind of where Speed Shop came from um, and we thought that it would be a good opportunity to absorb the auction content that, or, that was already a spread in the magazine into Speed Shop um, um, yeah to, to, to give our readers an idea of, of what's what's out there really um, and to become a bit more of an authority on on anything that's transactional anything that's related to the buying and selling of um, of racing and performance cars um, and do it in a way that it was easy, you know. It was nice, nice to look at. It, it had an expert tone of voice, um, good images. Um, I think Damon's done a done a really good job with the layout. Um, the, the initial suggestion of pink on a on a green was yeah. what? What's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of where it came about. Really, it was just to, to better reflect the advertising that was already there, and actually to say to our readers, well, um, there's a lo- there's a ton of things happening in the back of this magazine that should be editorialized you know so we um so we so we kind of extracted some of it and well the great the great thing about this is that you can you get to the end of the features and you get to the what is 
traditionally the end of the magazine, you get to the classified section, and you cannot choose to either go down that path or not. Um, but with this now, you, you get the best of both worlds. So you have editorial going all the way to the back of the magazine. You've got Speed Shop, you've got the Garagista, and you've got well, Garagisti? Garagista. 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 E-E. Yeah. <laughs> which one which was, I is plural, but ah uh, is what everyone knows. When you say Garagista, people know that you say Garagisti. <laughs> People aren't quite sure. Do you have to say it with an Italian accent, or are you I'm okay just, to just uh, do, do I'm it? Gonna, with I'm going to blame Simon. Look, Simon's going. <laughs> he got the look of innocence on his face. <laughs> no, it's a really. I thought it was the perfect name for it, Simon. Yeah. Simon, because it, it's. I love the idea that we've reclaimed an insult. This was Enzo's yeah. insult, and we've kind of reclaimed it and said, you know what? That's actually a good thing. If you're, you know, if you're building cars yourselves, if you're, or if you're spending a ridiculous amount of money, you know, trying to bring cars to life and be competitive, then let's that's, that's, that's reclaim that word. He's got <coughs> the mic again. I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. I, I also uh, just from a purely personal point of view. It's the chance to get for us to get our teeth into something a little bit different, editorially. Just we chat to these guys uh, a lot, and it's usually about was the car understeering through Redgate on lap three or something. But to actually sort of find out a little bit about the process of them getting the cars ready for competition, where they found it, why they wanted it, it just adds a slightly different dimension. And it's actually, I mean, I I covered the story on uh, Jeff Gordon's Alpha Sud Sprint Coupe, which is being prepared, which would be which Dickie Meaden will be racing hopefully later this year. And um, yeah, it was, just, it was a slightly different element to the usual, the usual thing we do with, with drivers and racing cars, and I enjoyed doing it. Oh, good to hear. I mean, it will grow. I mean, this section, uh, we've launched with three cars. We have the Jordan 195, which will be, and we'll follow the restoration of this car over six months, hopefully leading up to the point where um, we'll drive it. Um, and the second one is rather selfishly, um, but it's a story of the MGB that belongs to Ed Tro- uh, Ed, Tro- Ed Foster. <laughs> yeah, we got married last week. <laughs> I want to announce it now. Uh, you cut that out, right? Haven't you? <laughs> uh, so this is Ed Foster's, uh, who who is our uh, online editor until until recently, digital editor until recently. He's moved on to Goodwood. Uh, he, he and I are racing this car this year, and we've had. Um, some very entertaining uh, adventures with it. So we thought, well, that's a good one to share. Um, and then there's the Alpha, as, as Simon mentioned, the Alpha Sprint uh, Veloce. Um, and again, we're following the story of these cars. It's a diary. So come back, you know, next month to see the next instalment, find out, you know, how, how badly we've damaged the MG or how much a V10 Peugeot engine costs. Or, <laughs> or, or indeed how Nick overtook uh, under the safety car at Alton Park last weekend. Simon... Damn you. See, I wasn't going to berate. I was just going to say it's great that we can actually follow a car from, from rebuild through to, 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 to track test rather than just turning up and seeing a car at a track and, and shooting it as it is. We're getting behind the nitty gritty. So I've saved you there, Nick. Yeah, thanks, Linda. God, that did save me. It did happen. I think I'm going to have to save that one for... In, yeah, tune in. I think <laughs> in, in probably in a couple of months, I will tell the story of how I inadvertently, Simon... Um, overtook someone on the safety car at Orton last weekend. Um, yes, so that's definitely, yeah, taken my train of thought way off. Uh, so the point of this is definitely living with competition cars is the, is, is the flag, and, and this is diary. Uh, I'd love to add to it. If you've got a really interesting car that you think we should we should follow, then please get in definitely. touch. Yeah, um, and hopefully you'll enjoy. Um, you know, Lyndon's done a, done a love some lovely shots here of the Jordan and. Um, uh, you just don't see this stuff in bits, do you? So, and, no, and you no, were there. So, what's to turn up? I mean, well, I, I phoned the Tour de Force where it's being returned from a show car back into a race car, um, and just seeing it there in, in pieces in front of you like a big jigsaw while it's all being tested and, and verified as to what parts were bits of cardboard for the show car and what were actually genuine. But yeah, seeing it from, from that stage and, and going back every month to, to watch it be Bill, it'd be amazing to do like a little time lapse over, you know, a camera up in the corner yeah. of, the, of the workshop and That's see what the boys idea. get up to over the next few months. But yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting story to follow from start to finish anyway. Fabulous. Well, I, as I say, it's a, it's a diary element. So um, yeah, uh, come back next month because they'll be very interesting to, to, to find out certainly the next step of the Jordan. I know the owner of the, the Jordan 195 has found a way of... Um, getting some more reliability out of the Peugeot engine. Um, it's without called Cosworth, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> 
very good kind of very sharp um uh without actually compromising on too much horsepower either so that's 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 all fascinating stuff so are we going to continue to work our way backwards now simon should we should we should we <laughs> it looks like joe's hovering over a spread he's 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 identified something here so uh, what are we looking at, Joe? Go for it. Well, just talking about about the Garagita thing, I was going to say that it, it actually is indicative of a of a of a slightly well. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think that the magazine has a slightly more technical and engineering bent to it. Um, uh, and I'm not sure whether that's deliberate or whether that's just a, uh, a fact of the, the features that we've got this month. But as well as the Garagista, uh, we've also got um, a wonderful piece looking uh, behind the scenes at JD Classic. Uh, and their preparation of the lightweight E-type um, before uh, Goodwood, which goes into some detail about how that's all done. And we've also got a, a great piece by Nigel Reese, which goes, essentially, he looks at why a car was unsuccessful in period, but is now successful on the historic racing scene. And Nigel Reese, for those who don't know, is a, uh, is, is a genius engineer who um, analyzes uh, a car's performance and, uh, and actually improves it and, and works with some of the some of the great sort of cars that are on the historic scene at the moment. The one who you're looking at at the moment is the Arrows A4 in this, in this particular feature uh, and it goes into, into quite a lot of engineering and technical depth and I think it's a, a, a really rewarding read um, uh, once you sort of but you have to have your thinking cap on yeah I, you're absolutely right we um, <laughs> as you do I, swear, I met Nigel um, at Donington I think it was the day yeah it was the day we tested the McLaren actually um, and Dickie introduced me to him, and within about 30 seconds, my brain was aching from him describing how he uses um, a piece of software that he designed to analyse the performance of historic racing cars, um, with the aim is to get more performance out of them than they've, they've, they've ever had. Um, took a bit of a flyer on it and, and commissioned him to write, write a story. Um, he's not an author, a writer, a journalist, um, you know, by trade, but he had a good story to tell and uh, he's, he'd been there, you know, he's, he's, he's actually generated performance out of this Arrows A4 that was never there in the time. And it did hurt, didn't it, guys, when the copy came in? We, we really, had, there was a lot of elements that we had to go through and, 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 and actually think, well, will our readers know what that does do they <laughs> are they aware of that point but we, we've kind of granted the readership with um, a high level of assumed knowledge which I, we, we should shouldn't we you know we, we, we should expect our readership to you know um, to understand a number of the elements in this and um, but I think Joe's right you do need your thinking cap on and you probably need to read it twice um, if you do it'll be tremendously satisfying um, because I don't think there's there's a more in-depth story um, about the sort of transformation um or how to transform the performance of a of what was a an average car in in period um so and y the, pro the 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 team here might not be pleased to hear because they they're the ones that have to uh, <laughs> tidy up everything while it goes onto page but there there are two to follow um so we've uh, we've com commissioned Nigel to write two more stories on two cars that again didn't work in period but of of um, found performance in in modern times so so there's another series here and that's one of the themes that you'll you'll see emerging over the, the, the coming months or so is that there'll be there'll be content that you, hopefully you'd like to come back to you know and and, and follow so um yeah i'm and joe you're right i i'm personally i'm fascinated by the technical side i know that that, that, that our readers you know that they're, they're happy to invest that time in a, in a story to to find out more um I suppose most importantly, just not not to sacrifice anything else. So I hope that with the Bruce McLaren story and maybe with the Bertolini story, we've been able to explore the personalities as well in the sport. You know, I don't I don't want to sacrifice anything to 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 have more technology, to have more people. So, but I think actually you you and Simon guide me better on that. Um, you know, it's trying to get trying to get a balance in the issue and. Um, and actually, that probably lead, that could lead us on to, to pyromaniacs. That's <laughs> if we're talking about balance over to over to Lyndon. Pyromaniacs, a very wet Saturday. Was it Saturday, Simon? It was. A Saturday. It was a Saturday. Yeah, a very, a very wet Saturday at Santa Pod in July. Yeah. Eventually, the rain stopped, and I think about lunchtime, mid afternoon, they let they let cars go back out on track or on the strip, and we just kind of wanted to document an event that I've been fascinated for a few years with, which was Dragstalgia um, and the characters behind it and, and the cars behind it. I mean, everything's modern. Oh, that weekend was very modern. 
not at Santa Pod, but but the rest of the UK. And I just I just wanted to get behind and see the faces and and see what was going on. And it yeah. was British Grand Prix weekend. It was British Grand Prix, yeah. So it was the alternative events. Yeah, it um, formed part of uh, my alternative British Grand Prix. Been to a zillion British Grand Prix over the years. Um, I've missed the last couple, and this year I just thought it, in the way the British Grand Prix always used to hog everything that weekend in the UK. There'd be nothing else on. So this year I decided to find a couple of things that were on that uh, made for alternative viewing. Dragstalgia was one, and the other was a motorcycle clubby on what I still consider to be the finest Grand Prix circuit in Britain, but it's it's in Kent. And yeah, that was it. That was it. And the, uh, the Dragstalgia thing is just... I mean, I think Lyndon's done a cracking job with the photos, and it's just a wonderful thing to behold because, as Lyndon said, the people in it, are, they are characters and they're not like your uh, modern day circuit, young circuit driver who turns up with a, a physio and a manager and a box of vitamin pills. And, you know, these are, these are people who are steeped in the real world. That doesn't mean that this isn't done seriously. It is. And the level of preparation that goes into this is extremely high. And it's in some ways, I think we had a discussion in the office, it's, it's a little bit like the good of revival in a straight line. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in terms, you know, the, the prep that goes into the cars is rigorous, and I mean rigorous. You know, they are very, very different from many of the things we see in conventional UK motorsport, and um, it's all the better for it. Yep, and that, and that's 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 why it's there. I think you know to to give some again to try and show the sort of breadth of motorsport that we we have in the UK. Um, to give Lyndon his, his shots, the, the, the room to breathe, and they are magnificent pictures. Uh, page 98, 99. Um, and I think this, uh, t- tell us, Lyndon, tell us the tell story of this shot, this, the, the opening shot. There's a guy, if you haven't got the issue in front of you, I'll describe it briefly. There's, there's a guy um, sat in the, the roll cage surrounded by a fireball. Um, there's an enormous engine, and the guy is giving the V for victory sign. So what? In what's flames. happening? <laughs> he's, he's on fire. Yeah. It's. Uh, they were talking about it all day, and they were building this hype of of the flaming burnout. And I'd never seen this. Is the first time I'd ever seen one, so it took me by a little bit of surprise to start with. And um, they said, yeah, yeah basically they do the burnout but with flames and I every time I've seen a shot like this I thought it was engines exploding and it's all gone very wrong <laughs> and you were right <laughs> um, no thankfully no engines exploded okay. in, in this basically some bloke turns up douses your tyres in fuel and then just sets them on fire and walks off <laughs> as you're on flames you do the burnout and in theory the flames go out by the time you've left the start line but it's it's the most impressive and warming start start shot I've ever done. So t- so t- so it, it, does a fireball kind of remain and the the, the car drives away. The, from fireball the fireball goes up. So as the tires expand with the burnout, they shoot ten feet in the air, kind of thing, yeah. and then the car just disappears off as if it was going to do a normal burnout, and then the flames just slowly die out. The car not damaged at all. I think now we've got a, um, a videographer on board. Uh, I think next year, Dragstalgia. Should we do a 2018? Yeah. We're there. Should we all go to Dragstalgia 2018. It's, it's an amazing event. It is fantastic. The people there, it, like Simon says, it's Goodwood without the fancy dress because everybody's in period as it is. It's just, it's an amazing couple of days. It's, it's yeah. Well, you can't, uh, you can't have a greater contrast, I guess, than the, the, the flaming burnout to... Um, the picture on oh look, Damon, you've dropped the the, dropped the numbers off the page again. <laughs> we, did we talk about this last month? <laughs> no, we didn't. Page what page is it? Dave? Eighty to eighty-one. Okay, so on page eighty-one, there's there's a picture of a wonderfully um, contented Nico Rosberg, his wife, and uh, and young daughter. The War and Peace headline, and um, this is a Mark Hughes interview, isn't it? Isn't it, Joe? This is a this is a lovely story, as ever, from Mark. Um, Try, uh, trying to get to, to, to the kind of the root of how somebody who has effectively been in battle for, for so many years has managed to switch into the uh, contented life. Um, I thought it was a cracking story. 
Yeah, absolutely. And Mark, as ever, has done a, has done a great job. And uh, I mean, I think the great thing about Mark is that he's obviously trusted in the paddock, and um, uh, he managed to get this interview with uh, with Nico. Uh, and he, uh, Mark, is very clear that you know Nico is extreme. He's he's relaxed. He says that he's never seen him quite so relaxed, um, uh, and and very very happy not to be um, uh, not to be in the fight. But he gives some great sort of um, uh, insight into what it was like uh, as a frontline Formula One driver. Um, and he comes away as well with a with a great scoop, I think, where um, where he obviously talks about his retirement, and um, uh, uh, he says, <laughs> and so Nico Rosberg then reveals. Um, well, all I all I say is something about about how he came to make that decision. Um, so buy the magazine and, and, and find out about it. But it's a, it's a lovely interview, and um, it's uh, it's actually followed as well. But you can get two more different characters. A, a lovely interview by Gordon Spice, uh, sorry, of Gordon Spice, and by by Simon Aaron, um, uh, which is our lunch with. Uh, and as I say, you couldn't get two more uh, different characters. I don't think. Damon, you're you're making your. What are you? Uh, oh, it's the wind up, isn't it? Oh, it's the. Do we have? We can't. We can't end it now. Can we? I'm looking over at Jack, who's our, our online editor now, and he's he's giving me the guillotine sign. Really? Says it's my call. Should we carry on? Yeah. 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 Hey, we're carrying on. There we go. Well, no one ever uh, listens to Jack anyway. <laughs> we we. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I did ask him to tell me when we got to. What did I say? 40 minutes? Yeah. Where are we at? 42. 42. Right. Okay. About another 10 minutes, chaps, you reckon? Yeah. Okay. We have to, really, because um, Simon has done uh, a beautifully deft story on Jerry Birrell. Um, now, this is page 112. So you can do the page numbers, Damon. <laughs> 112. Um, it, I, this, to me, is one of my favourite stories in the issue. Um, it's tinged with a well, it's not tinged with sadness. There's, 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 there's considerable sadness in, in this story. Um, but it's, it's beautifully written, beautifully shot. And, um, and it's a story that, to me, kind of epitomizes or um, characterizes the, the love of, of racing, really, from, from the author, Simon, and also, I think, um, Jerry himself. So, so tell me how, how this, this came <coughs> about. It was a, a stroke of luck, uh, really. The... Motor racing documentaries seem to be quite fashionable at the moment and I uh, received an approach from a chap called Alex Shaw who is busy making or in the process of trying to produce a documentary about Jerry Birrell. Jerry was a successful Scottish racing driver in the 60s and 70s. I saw him compete in Formula 2 in the early 70s, finishing second to Nicky Lauda at, you'll be surprised to hear, Bolton Park. I, I was, you know, because I'd seen him race, I was interested. I mean, he died in 1973 in a Formula 2 accident. But anyway, Alex approached me, said he was doing this documentary thing, and um, as part of that, his stepsister, Cara, who is Jerry's daughter, um, was driving her dad's old Ford Capri at Donington Park, and did I want to go along and have a look? I went there along with Lyndon, not really knowing what to expect, because I knew that Cara would be driving the car, I knew that Jochen Mass, who was Jerry's Ford teammate, and they also uh, shared sports cars together, would be there. But I didn't really know what we were going to get from the day. And it was a delightful surprise to find that Alex's mum, Margaret, Jerry's widow, and Jerry's brother, Graham, and various other people who'd worked with him in period were, were around and about. And it was a chance to, over a series of casual conversations in the paddock and over lunch, to build up a little bit of a picture about what Jerry was like, um, which I found very rewarding from a personal perspective because it was stuff I didn't know before. And as I say, because I'd seen him race... And he lost his life about a year after I saw him race, I guess. You know, it was, a, from a, it was interesting from a personal perspective. And I just, you know, it was a, it was a great range of people to meet. Um, and Jochen Mass, too. And yeah, and Jochen was, Jochen was, uh, Jochen was brilliant. Um, as, I mean, he's a very, he's a very articulate individual, is Jochen. And uh, his insight into what it was like racing against Jerry, racing with Jerry, and what Jerry was like as a bloke was, was lovely. Yeah, great, great story and great shots as well, Lyndon. I think I think you did a fabulous job. Um, okay, so let's jump into. I think we mentioned my the Bertolini story. Um, this is this is Andrea Bertolini, Ferrari test driver. Um, I spent a day at Fiorano. Great, great fun, lovely character, and played a, probably a bigger role in um, Schumacher's uh, five world championships for Ferrari than than maybe well certainly. Uh, m- 
a bigger part than than I expected. Um, and to spend a day at Fiorano was a spine. Yeah, it was a spine tingling kind of moment, really. Especially when they fired up the four twelve T two, the last V twelve um, Formula One car. Wow, what a, what a thing! Um, so I, Simon, I don't know whether to go backwards or forwards now. Having we started in the cover, went <laughs> to the back. Um, I think to be honest, we've. What do you think, Joe? Do you think we've covered most things? Yeah, I think so. I th- I'd be interested to know, I mean, I haven't worked on this now for, for months with, with all of you. I, I'd actually find it interesting to know what everyone's favourite bit of the redesign actually is, if you can pinpoint just one thing. So maybe put put the editor on the spot first. Ooh, um, so my favourite bit of the October 2017 issue, oh, it's so close to it for so long, um, the, the, the bit, I guess, that will stay with me forever was um, driving the the M6A around the paddock at Donington, <laughs> um, which, you know, I didn't wring its neck in the same way that Dickie did, but literally sitting there, sitting where Bruce sat, and oh, just, just, I don't know, I just managed to go into a different world, really, and um, it, I guess it enabled me to have a good look at Dickie's copy when it came in and make, make sure that that kind of feeling of... of I don't know, just wonder, I suppose, of being near that car came across and it did beautifully. Um, so, yeah, I'm sorry, Joe, but a really predictable one for me. It's the, the cover story. Uh, you know, it took a long time to, to pull that together. but um, And I was there on the day of the shoot. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's it. Just that car, to me, has a, an aura of something I can't explain. It's a wonderful thing. Damon, go on, save me here. Go on. Favourite bit of the magazine. Um, as the designer, I love the new font. I love my, I love my new font. So, Lyndon. <laughs> it's called Sanomat. It's beautiful. I love it. Uh, which one is this? Tell, tell it, which page is it on? And which? Um, sa- the sa- <laughs> it's on quite a lot of them. I know what it is. <laughs> it's, um, it's the... All uh, oh, right. Okay. It's the, it's the main headline font. So, sometimes it's used in italicised form, sometimes not. But it's the main, the main, uh, main feature headline font so on so, being bruce mclaren it's it's that font so you're seeing the the lighter version the heavier version and the medium version in the, in that heading there and then yeah so the many variations i love that font sanomat buy it <laughs> sponsored by sanomat <laughs> so for me um i love the font I think it's... <laughs> oh, my goodness <laughs> me. Six months into I think, this, and the only no. thing you like is the font. I, I'm not... I'm normally the most critical person of my work. Um, I love the cover. I think it is fantastic. I think it's a real retro feel, but also very modern. And there's a simplicity about the magazine as well now with the way that Damon's designed it. And I just think it's it's just a, such a nice read. It's visually good to look at. And, yeah, my, my favourite thing is the whole thing. Sorry. Works for me. Some would say there's a simplicity about Damon as well. I, I, I believe I, there has been some. Um, I hate to say this, but the the body copy font is oh all. Oh my <laughs> goodness <laughs> me, Joe! What have you done? <laughs> it's. Um, I, uh, I would just say that uh, I, I wear a pair of eight quid off-the-shelf boots plus one specs, and um, which aren't always the most efficient. But um, I do find that the body copy is easy to read, and I think it's a great thing. Um, in terms of magazine content, um, I think the, as with Linda, I'm, I'm very pleased with the way a lot of it's come out. And I love the fe- new features in the back. Uh, I think they're a great addition. But the one spread that sticks out for me uh, with your headline, Nick, War and Peace, is the opener for the Rosberg feature. I just think the intensity of the portrait on the left is such a contrast with the relaxed happy family guy on the right i just think it's a stunning spread uh, it's really you know i quite happily have that on a frame somewhere it's just it's just a really striking pair of images and i think it works really well excellent stuff. and uh, joe, so you, you, joe. Haven't, you asked this question but yeah, you, haven't, joe, you, haven't, you haven't answered yeah, it yeah you haven't dodged the bullet well um i mean i've never been a, an enormous fan of crossheads but the font that the crossheads are in <laughs> in this particular <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I, I mean, I think I think you guys have covered all and then content wise. What I would say, what I what I actually, the small thing I really really like, and it, sometimes it's small things that that make all the difference, you know, especially on redesign issues, is the um, the trackside view, which is always one of a one of my favourite um, uh, elements of, of of the older magazine, which we've now expanded. This is Mark Hughes talking about a particular corner uh, at one of the Grand Prix that he's writing about this month, and we've expanded it into slightly uh, uh, it's got more more words, and it's actually got pictures showing how the various drivers tackle a particular corner and how their cars, uh, the different teams have set up, um, uh, affects how they take that corner. And Mark writes about it, and then our pictures sort of ex- show it, and they show the car uh, as, as, it, as it takes on the corner. And it, it sounds like you won't be able to make the, see the difference, but it actually works really well. And I think it's just a really lovely, uh, uh, small little kind of treat for, for, for Formula One fans. Thanks, Joe. Um, true. And there's a number of ways you can contact us, of course. You know, the, the, there's the Twitter... Uh, channel there's facebook um very active on on facebook there's the website itself editorial at motorsportmagazine.com um is the email um take a look at our instagram as well because um linden spends um a, a good amount of time kind of curating it i have to say um there's some great content on there um the opener for the um pyromaniacs feature the, the flaming burnout um is on the instagram um uh, page so so take a look at that um, but if there's nothing more from from the chaps here um, who are looking a little bit tired because it was a long process and I buggered off on holiday didn't I at the end um, <laughs> oh, oh. Splitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, there'll be continued evolution but n- uh, nothing nothing dramatic I really hope you enjoyed it we tried very hard as I say to to put more into the title um, without sacrificing anything um, Joe's absolutely right there's a technical uh, there's kind of greater emphasis now on the technical elements um, we've We've, we've really tried hard to kind of listen to what you want to expand certain areas not to sacrifice anything and um you know, I think I think it's a good stab. The team have done a, a, a great job, and we will continue to evolve. Um, but we won't lose the green. Is that right? Yep. No. 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 No green. <laughs> sorry. What? No. Sorry. Hang on. No. More green. <laughs> so there you go. Even more green. Yeah. A, a little snapshot of the life in that in that room in Cambridge with Damon for the last <laughs> more green, less green. What do you want? <laughs> Uh, it's been a very enjoyable process, I have to say, if, if, if not um, quite, quite drawn out. But um, more to come. We've got a fantastic issue coming up next month that involves um, a, an interview, a, ve- a very in-depth interview with one of the sport's greatest names. And it's, it's going to be a cracking piece. So um, please tune in next month. This is the issue commentary for the October 2017 issue of Motorsport magazine. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.